0: being petty because I've invested my energy into this lesson. And I just, I'm being interrupted by grasshoppers and realizing at that point that what has happened is not that the Lord has been thwarted by his own creation, but is that I I really do need to be open to what he's doing in the moment. And I may plan something, and it may be that I've got a great plan, but he may have something better planned and to to yield to that and to give up those good plans that i've wrapped all these expectations around and uh, instead listening for what he's actually doing what he's actually saying in that moment
1: welcome to this week's episode of the his hill podcast my name is kelly Darty, and i'm your host today we're going to do an interview uh, if you've been following the podcast you know that we often bring in some of the staff or uh, present students or former students today we have former staff and former student uh, Michael Regeer. I almost called him by his nickname, which was what we're going to call him in a second here, but I, I figured I'd, I better let you know his name first, and then we'll give you his nickname,
0: and then we'll explain it again. So anyway, Michael, hello. Hello. So uh, yeah, I um, I haven't actually had to go through this explanation for a while. Um, I am Lugie, for those of you that know me, and for those of you that are terrified by someone calling themselves loogie the history is that I didn't have a name for the first month after I was born and uh, During that time period where I was just the baby one of my cousins who was two at the time heard the song by Rafi baby beluga that my parents played and That cousin started calling me baby belugi and it stuck. So my German background parents had no idea what the North American Hawk Loogie concept was, so I was Loogie. It was just a cute kid's name um, that I have had my whole life. Um, eventually, I got the n- real name Michael, but it never caught on. Um, so my own parents never really called me Michael. I think for a brief time when I lived in Germany, um, I was Michael. But uh, yeah, I've I've basically been Loogie my whole life. Um, Michael is my my government issue name, effectively. <laughs> Well that uh, and
1: Just so people know, we're so comfortable and so used to calling you Luigi. Just then when I introduced you, I had to stop for just a split second and think,
0: what's his name? It it sneaks up on people. I've had it a couple of times where people that are used to hanging out with me, they'll talk about like, oh yeah, and this one time there was a story that Lugie told and someone else will stop them and say, stop right there. What, who, what, what was, what was their name? And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm used to that. It is, it is not Luigi. Um, I've gotten many variations um, but yeah. Sorry. Okay.
1: So now, you know, for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be talking with Lugie. Okay. So Lugie, now you were, uh, you were a student here and you yep. were also staff. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll go through that in more detail, but just on
0: the front end here, what was, uh, what, what year were you a student? 2003 through 2005. Oh my. Just goodness. the other day. <laughs> yeah. No, I,
1: yeah. I, uh, that's, yeah, that, that. That, that was, took me back a little bit. I, you know, I'm, I was on permanent staff here for, for a full-time staff for 23 years. Yeah. And it's almost like time has just stopped for me since I left. And I keep oh, thinking yeah. everything was 20 years ago. You yeah. know, when I got here 20 years ago and then, you know, you say things like that and I go, that's right. That's right. That, that was, that was eight years ago. No,
0: yeah. I have the same problem with like things that just happened the other day in the nineties. Right. Yeah. Um, but like practically, I think it was uh, Josh Stammis was born the year that i was a student wow
1: and he goes to bible school next year
0: yeah so wow. in terms of feeling old like yeah <laughs> okay so you were uh you were a student
1: in 02 to 05 03 to 05 03 to 05 yeah and then you uh you went off to college you came back on staff for when was that
0: three and a half years so i was gone for three years and came back in 2008 through 2011. I was, and then I got married. Okay. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's let people hear your story. Let's go back. Um, now, you were born in Canada, right?
0: Yes, I was born in Canada uh, in '83 and um, grew up um, around uh, Southern Ontario, basically okay. Niagara on the Lake. If people know where that is or um buffalo new york rochester area and just across the lake so i was there for the first 10 years of my life Um, my parents separated when i was young but they both stayed in the area so um and then when i was 10 so this is a history lesson for everyone um the berlin wall came down in 89 and so uh 93 uh, was when my mom really wanted to move back to Germany because it seemed like everything there was stabilized and safe and, and back to normal. Um, so she really wanted to be able to go back to her, her homeland. So we moved to Munich for five years and um, I went to public school there because I grew up speaking German and English at the same time. Um, so I've, I've never developed a, a accent um, except for the Texas accent that I picked up while I was down here. And um, so I lived in Munich in Germany from '93 to '98, and uh, was just really homesick for Canada during that time. Mm. Uh, I loved a lot of the experiences that I had um, in Germany. That was it was a lot of fun. The the biking, the transit system, the the ease of being able to get around a large town, um, which I definitely missed when I came back to Canada. Mm. But um, just from like childhood memories, I really wanted to be back in Canada, so I moved back. Um, and then went to public school. And all of this uh, was before me coming to know the Lord. And one of the big things really that he did was during the summers, I would fly back to Canada and I would spend the summer um, with my dad. And during that time, I kind of lost contact with everybody else that I'd known previously in Canada, except for um, a really good friend of mine, Mark. And uh, he and his family welcomed me Uh, every time I was there for the summer. So that became this tradition where I'd spend time with them. Um, And they're an amazing family that that loves the Lord. And so when I moved back to Canada, they were one of the main contacts that I had that I actually knew. So even though I didn't know Jesus and I didn't know anything about Scripture or anything, uh, I loved hanging out with them. And I think that really was just the fellowship of the Spirit welcoming me and kind of drawing me. And um, so I'd go to their youth group and I'd sleep over at his house on the weekend and I'd go to church with them on Sunday. And, um, and that was kind of the, the routine. Um, and that was while I was at public school. And then um, I actually went to a, I, I wanted to transfer to a uh, public Christian school um, because basically everyone that I hung out with on the weekend was at that school. So and not as a believer really wanting to go to this Christian school and they had uniforms and everything and it really didn't matter because I just loved the, the people that were there. Mm. And it wasn't until the end of my high school career, which was extended an extra year, uh, a 13th year, because they offered a uh, OAC, which was the Ontario Advanced Credit. Um, the point of it was that you could take high school classes towards college. I was a lazy guy and I didn't wanna get a job. And I wanted to drag this thing out as, as long as possible. And so I stayed for that extra year. But it was during that year that I that I actually came to know the Lord. And at the same time, conveniently, was when Dave Tooker, who was on staff here at the time, yeah. was traveling and speaking in different, um, in different places. And he came and spoke in our chapel. And I remember that he spoke on the bronze serpent. And the way that he related, like, if if this was you, if you were one of these Israelites and your child had been bitten, if your child had been bitten, how would you actually respond? And you wouldn't just go like, all right, there's a snake, all right, let's go back. But it would just be this this understanding of your need. And the way that he taught it, I remember... Sitting and listening, thinking, I was like, "Wow, this is almost this is almost as if this story happened to real humans." Huh. It's incredible, um, and I'm sure other people had had taught like that before, but it was, that was the first time that I actually paid attention and listened. And that that energy and and passion is really where I realized that after I I did come to accept Jesus, that I wanted to know more about the Bible. And at that point, I knew that. The Bible had Moses and Jesus and Paul, but I wasn't sure what order they appeared in um, or anything. I just knew that I really wanted to go and spend more time in Scripture. Okay. Um, and that's why I ended up picking Texas, of all places.
1: Okay, because of the contact with Dave.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, never yeah, been I here remember, before. I remember you coming. You came a little early. Yes. Yeah, and, and <laughs> so we put you to work. and <laughs> renovating Herb's house at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the addition on the Volgamuts, that was, um, so that was a trip that I took down with my dad. He drove me down. So we, we crossed at Detroit into the United States where I had my, um, my student visa and we took a detour over the Grand Canyon, um, and yeah, Yellowstone
1: a detour. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we, I don't even know, quintupled our driving time or something like that. And then we came in. So the, 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 to back up, the the experience that I had with Texas was from the His Hill website at the time where there were pictures of green grass. And I didn't know anything about Texas. I didn't know how big it was. I hadn't done any research. I was just gonna go to this Bible school over there. So we come in, we go over the Grand Canyon, and then we come in from West Texas. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what West Texas means. And for anyone who, who doesn't, the, the Western movies that they shot in California around Vasquez Rocks, where it just looks like dust, that's what West Texas looks like. And we're driving in, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, the Christian website lied to me. <laughs> and it wasn't until we got into the hill country and everything turned green, I was like, oh, okay, all right, okay, this is, this is better now. Um, yeah, we get students that will come in the wintertime. And, yeah. and
1: they, you know, they're looking around saying, wait a minute, the website. I said, yeah, well, wait. Just it's give spring, it a minute. You
0: have to wait for the spring. Give it a minute. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now you said your your mother moved. Both parents are German, right? Yes. Okay, that's a whole another. Okay. <laughs> another episode. Okay. Yeah. So your mother moved back to Germany, but your dad stayed here. Yeah. All right. You took the road trip down here. Yeah. And uh, so thankfully we had green grass. Yep. So that settled you down a little bit. What, what do you remember about the first uh, semester here? I remember
0: it was hotter than I had expected. Um, I remember the, um, it actually rained a lot that year. Um, And I, I, I still remember Charlie addressing students and asking them, you know, be careful, don't walk on the grass because it will kill the grass. And just the amount of rain that first semester. And I thought like, there's, it's a monsoon down here. You can't kill anything that grows. I don't know why you're so worried. And then in later years, I understood, um, I remember enjoying the classes the way that it was taught and the way it was related, the questions that the the teachers even asked and kind of prompted with something that I hadn't really expected. Um, asking questions that that were difficult from the text and addressing things like reading through sections of scripture and then people saying things like, so reading that, like, isn't this surprising that God would allow this? Doesn't he love these people? And me thinking is like, okay, I would ask that question, but you're teaching this material. Are you allowed to ask that question? And then using that opportunity and walking through and explaining, the background of some of these isolated stories of how, like, these are people that are not foreign to what the Lord expects. They've heard these teachings before. This is the, the nation of Israel. They've got the following kings or prophets that have come before, and they've heard the message, and they, they understand fully, and yet they are choosing disobedience. And the Lord is also, while these different things are going on, He's protecting them. He's providing for them, but He is not just allowing and giving his approval to their behavior it is the the sin that they are acting out remains sin but there is still grace in that and seeing these things happening where there are people that that know and have have heard and they've seen actual miracles and yet how those those miracles don't transform them permanently and that's their their choice is that over time their their hearts are being hardened and the importance of of making those decisions when when it talks about you know as for me and my house I will serve the Lord that it is a a determination where we we don't try to to figure out in the middle of difficulty if the Lord is faithful we allow him to to prove out what he has promised during that time mm-hmm. but that we really do as we as we learn and as we study scripture um we we receive those promises that he's made but he also we have to understand he also allows reversals where it seems like everything that he has said would be true of a believer's experience it all seems like it's falling apart and it's really at that point it's a struggle of the soul which believes like if i don't figure this out i am going to be undone and it is really coming to the end of ourselves and then, usually for me, at least, it's when I've convinced myself that, like, I just I can't do it anymore, and I'm so exhausted. And then the Lord will do something, and usually it'll be really, really simple. But it'll speak to me in such a way as to say, "There was no need for you to be freaked out during all of this. Like you were provided for the entire time, mm. but you are not allowed to keep my promises. You are not my provision mm. to yourself, but I am. Mm. I am alive, and." Um, and that's, there was a lot of that the, the first year where um, it it, kinda, it culminated with me believing that the Lord wanted me to stay for summer camp and not being happy about that huh. because it was, it was hot and it was full of kids and I didn't want to be in that much heat with that, was, that many children around. Mm. And it took a long time where it was me wrestling with, I'm pretty sure this is exactly what the Lord wants but I don't wanna do this because it seems really hard. And it really just being that I didn't believe that I could handle it, and therefore I didn't want to be vulnerable. Mm. And the Lord really just continuing to prompt and like, I understand that you don't know what you're gonna do, but that's not why I'm asking you to be obedient. And then finally, and I remember this moment in my heart where I said, fine, I'll go, fine. <laughs> if that's what you want, I'll do it. And I realized, like, I was so, so upset at having heard from the Lord and having had him give me a direction because I didn't understand how I would be able to do it. And then in that same moment, and I didn't verbalize any of this out, out loud, but it was just me processing through where I realized, Father, that attitude is wrong. And I can't go through this summer just being so distraught because really— what i'm doing is i'm complaining about what i'm not capable of doing but you have promised that in my weakness you would be the strength that i need and so this isn't going to be about me doing a fantastic job with my ability to this summer but this is very much going to be me being aware of how much i need you and having to trust you mm-hmm. and uh and that's what it was it was it was a it was a hot hot summer um, but there were so many moments, and I remember things where um, I'd just gone through this year of Bible school, and so I was excited. I, the Lord had, had opened my eyes to how amazing His Word is and the beauty of Scripture and studying. And I was so excited and determined to share this with campers. And I remember during the first week with the scholarship campers, and they were so excited about grasshoppers, and and i've got this lesson that i've planned and i'm trying to share you know how amazing god is and his faithfulness and they're not paying attention they're just playing with these grasshoppers and it's just it was this moment of me being petty because i've invested my energy into this lesson and i just i'm being interrupted by grasshoppers and realizing at that point that what has happened is not that the lord has been thwarted by his own creation but is that I, I really do need to be open to what he's doing in the moment. And I may plan something and it may be that I've got a great plan, but he may have something better planned. Mm. And to to yield to that and to give up those good plans that I've wrapped all these expectations around mm. and uh, instead listening for what he's actually doing, what he's actually saying in that moment. And, um, and I think that was the... That was the thing that blessed me the most over, over summer camp mm. is just very much being in a place that I wasn't comfortable with. And it was really just like the, the physical humidity and, and heat and then playing gold rush in that heat <laughs> on top of it and just sweating and sweating and sweating. And in the middle of that, seeing the Lord work in so many of those campers' lives and then in my own heart, and realizing like i'm i'm not here because i'm amazing it's not well thank goodness that lugie showed up because otherwise what would we do but it really was just what am i bringing i'm i'm bringing a a complicated assortment of issues in myself and an awareness that i have jesus and that i need jesus mm-hmm. and and him working in that and it was usually in in ways that i that i hadn't expected um, and even during that, that, that summer, wanting to stay for the second year program and having no idea how that would work. Um, that, was, that, was a, that was something else that was incredible, because at that point, my, my mom didn't know the Lord. Uh, as a side note, she came to know the Lord, not in a planned way on my part, but she came to know the Lord seven years to the day. After I did, oh wow, which was just something that I hadn't really appreciated until I went to write it in my Bible, Mm. and I went, wait a minute, I know what that date is. So we 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 share a salvation birthday in that sense. But at the time um, when I had said that, yeah, you know, I I want to stay for this summer camp, she said, you you can't do that because you say that you're going to stay for second year as well. Well, how like where is the money going to come from? That how is that going to work out? And I I was just really frustrated with that. And I remember going back to the mailbox here in the office and someone had written a verse reference on a piece of paper and at that point I thought okay this is going to be you know something that says you know what you're planning to do that's the right thing. You know you, you believe the Lord wants you to stay for camp and so that's what you have to do and don't listen to your mom. And so I'm gonna read whatever this verse is. I don't know what this Ephesians six is, but I'm gonna open up my Bible and I'm gonna read about how this is gonna say that the Lord straightens the pathways of the righteous. Mm-hmm. And instead I open to children obey your parents. And, wow. I, and I go, well, now what do I do? Like This is a catch 22. Lord, I believe that you have put it on my heart to stay for camp and you've worn me down. Like never mind working in other people, you've worked in my own heart which is an amazing thing to witness for myself. And I'm willing. And now you now my mom says no and your word says I need to obey, but I can't obey both. And and I just didn't understand how anything would work out. And then this is in the day of payphones. Um, I called her a week later and she said she started off the conversation and said, "You know, I don't know what it is." that um why this is 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 that important but if you believe this is what you need to do then then i want you to do what you think you need Mm -hmm. to do and that was a moment of me seeing the lord work in her heart in that way and it was such a blessing Mm -hmm. where it was a in my mind it was an it was a irreversible irreconcilable conflict right
1: you know that's it's that's interesting i can't tell you how many times we've had students or summer staff come come to my office and and with a dilemma yeah. you know I this is what I believe the Lord would have me do and I, but I don't know what do I do and I would ask them well have you asked your parents and I' several occasions they would tell me oh Kelly no I mean they're not believers yeah or it we have a hard relationship it's not going and I said well here's the thing scriptures pretty clear about this yeah you know to to honor your parents and so why don't you just pray about this, ask your parents, and trust the Lord? Mm-hmm. And I can't remember one time where they did not come back and say, Kelly, you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe what my dad said or what my mom said. You wouldn't believe this. And, you know, and it was, I think it was just a neat thing for them. It was sure, certainly was for me to see them come to that realization that the Lord means this. You know, I mean, I can trust him for these things, and it, you know, it may be that you, you know, for some people, their parent would tell them to do what it is they don't want to do, but, but they find that there's a blessing in doing that, in in trusting, in trusting him. So that's a neat story. I appreciate that, and and also the the whole thing with what you were learning in summer camp. I I just, you know, all of our alumni are going to laugh at this, but it just makes me think of Galatians two twenty. You know, it's the the fleshing out of Galatians two twenty, not just. You know the 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 theology of it. You know mm-hmm. that it's it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul, when Paul said that, he really meant yeah. <laughs> that Christ was living through him, yeah. and it it was for him to, by faith, you know, to to go with Christ and yeah. and to see his faithfulness that he's really doing these things, and that's it's an amazing story because I remember. Your attitude while you were here, and it was always a positive attitude. You were always, you know what what the what the Lord was showing was always something of encouragement, which again I think is you know the Lord's faithfulness. You know, yeah. I, I didn't, I don't really remember you any more than anybody else. You know, saying boy, it's hot. You know, I mean, even <laughs> even those of us who lived here for years, yeah. that, You know, it's it's hot. Yeah. And I was telling, uh, we had a we had a student here, um. Last um, Anna uh, Coke well, uh, on the last episode, and she was she's going to stay for camp. And I told her, "Well, Charlie tells because she was concerned about the heat. And so, what Charlie tells the the whole summer staff just dress to sweat. Yeah, and you'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's and that's that's funny, but it's true. You know, if you if you just expect it and you dress for it, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah
0: no, it really is, and I think that's it's it's a it's an incredible blessing. Not because it's it's camp and not because of the location, but because we have these, these assumptions about like, as long as I'm not in a circumstance that looks like X, Y, and Z, yeah. I'll be fine. Because yeah. if I am in those circumstances, I know myself, I've lived with myself my whole life, and I know how I will respond, and it won't be pretty. Yeah. And the Lord often takes us into those circumstances. And then we see a change in our own hearts that we didn't plan. And at that point, it is really a freeing experience because someone... Sometimes in those in those moments, not always, people don't always notice when the Lord is working in your heart, and sometimes that's a revelation that He has just for you. But there'll be times when someone will say, you know, like, "Hey, when you did that, whatever it was, like that was that was a real blessing to me." And so much of the lead up of of the of the turmoil in our own soul sets us free from believing that you know we did that. Yeah, yeah it was me, and and especially with camp, there's so many times when. Someone would say you know like hey thanks for for doing whatever and and just having this response in myself i'm like i'm I'm, I'm glad you' you're welcome but that wasn't my fault <laughs> like I'm glad that you were blessed but I definitely didn't cause that like yeah. that was you need to understand the day that I had and how that was definitely the Lord mm-hmm. and I want no part of any mm-hmm. kind of honor and glory because I wasn't ready to do whatever, and that that hasn't that hasn't really changed over the years. And, and It's a life lesson. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I think that's we we encourage our students to prayerfully consider staying for camp, and it's not just because we need people to stay for camp, but on a very consistent basis, we will have the summer staff who have been here as students at the end of summer tell us. It, ha- it would not have been the same year had I not stayed for camp. Yeah. That camp, and, and that was, that's was that been our encouragement. Camp is just in this incredible practicum that's just laid right in your lap after nine months of being taught yeah. that Christ is your life. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun to watch and, and to see how the Lord uses the summer staff in these kids lives you know they come here from and it's all walks of life for the listeners that don't understand what our summer ministry is like we have we have kids come to us for 10 weeks all the way from 6 years old for day camp all the way up to the last year of high school and they so all the way up to 18 and they come to us from all walks of life. We have kids come from their, their, their scholarship campers. They, you know, they come from uh, lower income families, sometimes from gangs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and then we have the other end of the spectrum where we have butlers drop off campers and, you know, professional athletes bring their kids up here. So that all these kids from all walks of life, and a lot of them are not Christians. They're, and, and they, you know, they're, they're not part of evangelical churches or families. They just hear about his hill, they hear about the activities, and uh, some friends maybe come, so they come. And so we have all kinds of people here, believers, non-believers. We have poor, rich, <laughs> and, yeah. it's, it, and it's, it's just so profitable, not only for the camper, but also for the staff. Very profitable, and, and things that, we, that the Lord teaches us during those three months that, uh, that go on for a lifetime. Yeah. And so anyway, um, now you ended up staying for a second year. Yes. Okay. Now, where did the finances come for that?
0: I never found out except that um, at the time Herb called me into the, uh, the office and said that, um, that I was, it was going to be paid for. And that um, that whole second year that the finances were taken care of, mm. which was amazing because it was something that um, I didn't understand where it was coming from. And as a um, also, there's the whole dynamic of not being a, a citizen of the of the country where the Bible school is located in. Um, as a Canadian wanting to spend time, even though like right there adjacent neighbor. As a Canadian wanting to spend time in the United States, I can't just go to the border and say, "Hey, I'm coming in and I'm going to be here for a long time, and you're going to be okay with that." <laughs> you, you have to show, and then they want to know, like, "What are you doing? Like, how are you going to live? Are you just going to be mooching off of people?" Yeah. Or, and so you have to, you basically have to show, like, you, especially for what I remember from from Bible school and from college afterwards as well. You have to. Upon entry, show that you have the money that's going to be needed. You don't have to pay it all at once, but you have to show how it's going to be available and at hand. And that was one of the things where I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> like, this isn't. And it, and it was, it was this simple thing of of the Lord saying, like, What do you have? I'm like, I I, I I don't I don't huh. have it. Okay, well, can you go forward? And I think a lot of that is is a is a struggle that he's aware of that we have, but he brings us through that, where we're aware that like, you need 10 things to go and do whatever. Mm. You know, How many do you have? Three, if you're lucky. And and our 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 inclination is to say, well, I must wait until I have everything that I'm aware of that I need. Yeah. And after those things have been checked off, then I may go forward. And oftentimes the Lord says, no. Mm. You're like, but I can't. And he says, I'm not, worried about that i am has sent you that's i am
1: yeah
0: and and to to step forward in faith and to to allow him to work because really that's i think so often the the struggle is projecting that um christianity is a method that i must apply and when I apply it correctly, I feel calm, and everything works out correctly. And and so often the Lord breaks us of that by showing, like, no, I'm I was at work today before you woke up. Mm. I, I love the verse. This isn't the full context, but especially this the past two years that um, I slept and I awoke because you sustained me. Mm. And um, and there is so much in that that we that we don't appreciate. And it's not that he's so upset that we don't appreciate all of his provision. I don't know that we have the capacity to understand right. everything that he does. But that, especially since becoming a parent, that he he wants us to rest. And the reason he wants us to rest and not be so worried is because we are his children. That he, he created parenting and he created children and he created that relationship. And some of it is just so that we as humans would be able to understand the interaction that we have with him, that Mm. our heavenly father cares for us. Okay, that's great. Like, no, understand when uh, I've got three kids now, which is surreal, because I feel like I feel like a tall child at times. And there are things that they worry about. And I just want them to understand like, no, it's okay. Like, you just just go to bed. And it's and it's things like well i left my bike out by the trail i'm like i i understand you are not getting out of your bed right now but i'll go get it and just don't worry about it and we we as as people sometimes we have things on that level we insist that they're huge and they're major problems like this is going to cost a crazy amount of money and the lord says like just, that's fine don't worry about it And we try to argue with him and we try to get the Lord concerned and we try to get the Lord worried. And we try to get him to see from our perspective that this needs to be an issue. This needs to be something that everyone's worried about and everyone has to panic about. Mm. And it's until we get through that, not wrong perception all the time. Sometimes we've got an accurate idea of how big the problem is, Mm -hmm. but the Lord is bigger. like we we are correct in saying that this is a huge crisis in our life. Yeah. But the Lord is bigger and that's mm-hmm. as he walks with us through those things that the the expectations that we have he adjusts for our benefit.
1: And I think it's it's I think it's it's important to understand too that trusting the Lord in those times will not always mean uh it's it, it'll be easy. Or it's without yeah. a battle, or it's without emotions, you know. Yeah. But because sometimes you know you can feel like, well, I'm not trusting the Lord. Or you're not. Or, or we can tell each other, hey, you're yeah. not trusting the Lord. Well, what do you mean I'm not trusting the Lord? Well, you're, you know, you're all upset. You're, you know. So well, wait, wait a minute. This is pretty heavy, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I think about Christ in in the garden, you know, with yeah, with the, 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 just all that was on him at that time. You know, if there be any other way, yet not my will. But yours be done. I mean, yeah. it was it it, it was a uh, it was a heavy it was a heavy thing to go through. Yeah, uh, it was very real. But his confidence was in the Father, you know. In, in Hebrews, you know, he he prayed to be you know saved from death. And when you do a word study on that in chapter five, it means to be saved from within. So he okay, this is where the Father's taken me.
0: Yeah,
1: so bring me back. You know, I trust you and. Uh, you know, so th- th- that's incredible. I know I had to go through the same thing when we moved to Louisiana, you know, knowing that this is what the Lord has. There was mm-hmm. no doubt in our mind, and he was, he was very clear about that. But we weren't real clear on what we were going to do there, yeah. except for help my parents. And, you know, we get there, and three weeks after we're there, the economy tanked. You know, it yeah. all was dependent upon oil, and the oil just crashed. Yeah. So now what? And and I remember from the very first quiet time I had with the Lord there, you know, after teaching in a torchbearer school for, three, for 23 years, yeah. Christ is your life. It's about Him, not you. Now trust Him and walk with Him. The Lord very clearly asking me in the very first quiet time and everyone after that for six years, Kelly... Do you believe I'm sovereign?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember sitting there saying yes. And it says though he's saying no, no. I'm not asking you for the right answer. I'm asking you: Do you believe that I'm sovereign? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Can I take care of this then? Of course you can. All right. Then let me do it. Yeah. And you know it was. I think it was. It wasn't to just sit there and watch it happen, but it was to move in what was going on, trusting Him. Yeah. I like what Paul says in Colossians at the end of chapter 1, I strive and I labor according to His power, mm-hmm. which mightily works within me. So it's, you know, I appreciate these things that you're saying, you know, saying so well that, you know, I cannot do these things. Yeah. I have to trust Him. And more than that, I get to trust Him. Yeah. And... And, and then to 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 just move, go with him, move in what's going on. You know, kids are playing with grasshoppers. <laughs> move with the Lord, with it, deal with that. You know, but yeah. So that's that's neat. And and you know, with the um, with the finances, I just can't tell our listeners how many times that's happened over the years, where a student wants to stay for second year, mm-hmm. has no idea how they're going to afford it, and they believe it's what the Lord has. I remember one student was uh, just struggling over this. Uh, she she believed that the Lord would have her stay, but she just that her hang up is there's no way she can afford it. Yeah. And the day that she said, Lord, I don't know how what you're doing or how you're going to do it, but I believe you would have me stay. So I'm applying to stay. And she went to her mailbox in the office and there's cash just stacked in the box in an envelope. And to this day, I don't I don't really know, think we know who did this. Uh, which was a big deal because I mean the the place is full of students and staff that are living on a torchbearer salary. So how did that much money yeah. show up in the box? You know, yeah. Uh, the, the Lord put
0: it on somebody's heart, and there it was. You know, some but it's just interesting how this happens. And that that is still to this day. Like my my wife will say that like finances are the way is the way that the Lord gets my attention. That. Um, like, gets your attention yeah yeah and it's uh, it, it's this idea of of mike wells used to talk about like as you're you're so focused on the past and things that happened in the past and you're so projecting into the future and things that are going to happen what brings you into the moment when you stub your toe mm. and like everything else stops and it's just like that that discomfort or pain or whatever it is it's we, we wanna throw it away and we're like, no, this isn't important. But there are oftentimes things that the Lord uses to bring our attention to right now. And for me, that's when I see the account get low or go to zero yeah. and, and overdraft. And like, it pushes this panic button in my heart. And like, am I not able to quote what's true? Mm. You know, it, it, yes, I know. And I've seen the provision of the Lord, but there's oftentimes where the provision that I had yesterday and last week and, and more years ago than I wanna calculate right now at, at Bible school. Like that is something that he really did, but I need a Jesus that's alive today and that is working today mm. because I, I can't handle today. And he is so faithful to prove that to me in case I forget, in case mm. I think that everything that's around me is, is my own doing. Uh, there's a great quote from, from lay Miz about people who confuse success with skill. Well. And I remember that where it's just like, well, why, why am I where I am? Is it because I'm amazing? And the world would say, yes. Mm. Are you successful? Can we measure your success? Well, your success must have come from you. Yeah. And for a right. believer, the real blessing is to go through experiences where we understand, no, that's definitely not how it was. We, we had that with, um, with uh, we lived in, in Bernie for a number of years and we're trying to sell our house. And so we're looking around for another house and we can't find anything. And everyone's saying, well, just don't put your house on the market because you live in Bernie and everyone wants to move there. And so if you put your house on the market, it'll sell instantly. And so just don't, okay, okay, fine. I get it. Don't put my house on the market till we find a house to move to. So we find a house and we put our house on the market and nobody wants it. And our real estate agent is so confused. He's like, this is, this doesn't make any sense like the location, the place that you're in. And it really is this according to all the elementary principles of the world. This yeah. house is gonna sell. right? And instead it was for months. And during that time, it, like you said, like it wasn't easy. There were times when people would ask, you know, like, well, what are you doing this weekend? Mm. I'm gonna mow my front yard for people that won't show up. Mm. And just so frustrated because I can't figure out how am I going to make this happen? And having to go forward and just trust and keep the house clean in case someone comes and wants to look at it at any moment. And at that point we had two, four, and and a a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. Right. So you're gonna have this long sit-down conversation explaining to them about tidiness, right? (laughs) But it was something that the Lord took us through and then we closed on the house, but the house we wanted to move in, we couldn't actually finance. And so we had to move all of our worldly possessions into someone else's home because they were gone for 2 weeks. And it mm. was this this time that it was the, it felt like this time bomb countdown where I'm like, "Lord, I know it is you that made it possible for our house to sell. But if you don't figure out all these other things, like these friends of ours, they've been so generous, but they're coming home, Lord, mm. and we will be actually homeless but with all of these things and I don't understand what you're going to do." But having gone through that and him working out all the details. And we were, spoiler alert, we were able to buy this other house and we moved into it and, and we lived. But <laughs> but the, the blessing is that now when I look at that home and when I look at that property, I don't have the sense of like, well, how do I keep it? How do I make sure that like nothing happens? How do I prevent the economy from collapsing? Amen. How do I How yeah. do I protect my family from inflation? And that is, I think, that is a huge blessing of of growing up that your your vulnerability expands from yourself like you you grow up at least in high school i was really obtuse and not a very observant and so understanding as i grew that you know i'm 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 responsible for my own actions and what i do does matter and and i, I it if i if i'm a moron i can really hurt people mm and and you begin to understand that and you begin to you know want to do well and then and then i got married and now it's just like but now what if i what if i what if i'm a moron and i hurt my wife with this mm. and just like the foolishness and then suddenly you have children and she's like well how do i make sure that they do well and really there, there's a way that as you experience life you, you have one set of experience, almost, I want to say. And then when you have children, you re-experience life through their eyes. And things that I used to enjoy sarcastically, I, I enjoy honestly because I, I see how they see things and I want to share in that and I want to give them that sense of wonder. But there's a new degree of vulnerability that's opened up because what if they're harmed by something and having to take that to the Lord and say, yes, you, you have shown that you can take care of me but like I'm worried because now I'm responsible for these other people. Mm-hmm. And Lord, you need to be big enough for that. And that's a, that's a completely new way of not being able to reach in directly and, and solve things mm. where we have to wait. And that's, that is a very, very difficult time where we have to be patient and, and trust. Uh, we had that a couple weeks ago. My daughter put a shell in her ear because of course, <laughs> so she had this seashell stuck way in her ear and we tried to get it and we couldn't. And I took her to the emergency room and they tried to get it out and they couldn't. Mm. And then we were able to schedule an appointment with a, a with a doctor, but it was over the weekend and we had to just wait. And so it's this prospect of, it's probably fine, but what if her ear gets infected? And like, realistically, like maybe the Lord's plan for her life is that she won't be able to hear out of that ear that's that's not the worst thing but i want to protect her yeah like she's turning five this year and in in those circumstances having to be patient and having to believe that like lord you really are in control of this and you you your hand is in all of this mm. and she wasn't worried she wasn't discomforted she didn't get a fever of nothing mm. as far as i think her experience of it is just nothing happened there was a weekend and you know, and then whatever.
1: This <laughs> is what we the, did.
0: The going to the doctor was more traumatic for her than anything else. Yeah. But it was my wife and I understanding the the actual need, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that's for for any believer. It's it's not that we we look and we see something that's fake, right? There there's there's all kinds of issues that we can have in our lives that are either real or perceived or contrived. And usually if it's a contrived issue, it's something that you're dealing with that somebody else is inventing a problem. And sometimes, you know, we we perceive, but it's not really there. And sometimes there are real issues and, and the problem is is that the enemy wants us to stay focused on the issue and focus on the problem and just be absorbed and consumed by it. Right. And yeah. instead to have to take that and to say, This is really happening, but Father, you remain good. I am not abandoned. I have no idea what's gonna happen, but my hope is not that I understand. And at that point to say, thank you, Mm. thank you for tomorrow. Not because I know what's going on, but because I know your heart. You Mm. have revealed so much to me and I know your heart towards me and I know that I am yours. And I know that my wife is yours and I know that all three of my kids have trusted you for salvation and that they are yours mm-hmm. in, in the most important real sense possible. You quoted from Colossians 2.8 earlier, and
1: in a, in a great verse, it just applies so well. You know, see to it that no one takes you captive through mm-hmm. philosophy, empty deception, according to tradition of men, elementary principles of yeah. the world, rather than according to Christ. And, you know, saying that you know the Lord uses finances to get your attention, I think it's because you're a man. Yeah. I don't think that's exclusive to men, but I think most men can can testify to the same. Uh, you know, just to, to, to we, we have a family business, and it started in the kitchen here at His Hill, in our house here at His Hill. It started there, and it has just grown. And it continues to grow to where it, it employs my whole family. And we're looking now at probably having to hire because it's continuing to grow. And... I can say and we've talked about this a hundred times as a family that anybody who says they did this is an idiot. Yeah. You know I mean even non-believers and unfortunately believers sometimes will say you know with a successful business that it takes a lot of luck. You know (laughs) no it's not it's I mean they're they're moving in the right direction in that there's an understanding that i didn't do this yeah but we understand as believers we should know it's the lord's favor yeah and then that's true of everything like you're talking about being a parent you know dealing with uh you know you know the selling of one house and buying of the other and, and I know that's a long story too that you're you're not yeah, telling there but it's an incredible story too and just to to see that you know you look back and you say you know that that was just the Lord. Yeah. He He did this, and and if we're not careful, we'll miss those things. Yeah, you know, I completely missed that, and you know, it was luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's like the 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 trite concept of like every problem is an opportunity in disguise, right? Right, right. And you're like, right, that's great. You know why you can say that? You can say that because you don't have a problem right now. But for me, <laughs> like with all of these issues around me, I'm not excited about your cute phrase. Yeah. But, but the reality is, is that like those, those issues and those crises, whether they're small or huge. And the reality is, is that there's always a huge one. And some of them we look at from the outside in somebody else's life. And we say, I don't really have time for your lame problem. Mm. Usually it's because we've gone through things that are bigger, like practically they're, they're, they're larger problems. And so we look at somebody who hasn't experienced the same things and we look down on their experience because we say, I, I've, done, I've done more, I've gone through worse, All right? And therefore I'm unimpressed. But that person, who whatever they're going through, like that is still the crisis for them. And if that passes, there'll be something else that comes up to the top of the list. Right. But the, the, the blessing of that is not that, that you know, hey, pain is wonderful and believers should be in pain. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. But to, to understand the Lord very much promises that he will be to us what we need. I know the plans that I have for you, plans mm-hmm. for welfare, and not for calamity. Super. Like, let's see it happen. And usually when we say, like, hey, Lord, like, you need to wake up. And it's because we, we decide what it was that that he should have prevented or what it is that he needs to do next. Mm. And it's because we yeah. have this restricted view of what has to happen. Right. And instead the be Lord- Be my
1: life, Lord, and be it this way. Yeah,
0: yeah, you need to be this tall and this short yeah. and this wide and this deep because that's the only thing I can imagine that could answer this, this problem and this circumstance at this point. If you can do exactly what I imagine, then you can be Lord. And instead he says, no, I'm, I'm far more than that. And I will not allow you to be restricted by just bad imagination is really what it comes down to. And so often the, the crisis, it, it squeezes the life out of us, which sounds terrible, but it squeezes the self-reliance life out of us. Right. And it squeezes the life that he is, he claims he's put all of himself in us, mm. all of God, is in Jesus, and all of Jesus is in us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great. And and the way often that that's manifest is in that crisis when we're squeezed, and there's a response in our soul that we can't account for, that we didn't plan for, and there's a there's a working out of the reality of of Him that that shocks us, and it takes us aback. There is there's a sudden peace when we look around and i'm like i don't see a reason why i should feel at peace but i'm not going to argue with this mm. and and it really is him being faithful on his time and um and and usually it's it's after the fact where we look and we go back we we look back at, at how he provided and we go i i don't know that i would have seen that coming but you know i'm i'm really not surprised lord that you are faithful mm. because you're always faithful mm. And you've been faithful in so many other things, and I just couldn't see that it would be possible here. Mm. But, but again, thanks be to you for for your love for me, mm. that that you so loved me that you wanted to die for me, mm. that the the separation is something that you said that you would address because there is no way that I could. And that's I I, I really I loved um, Charlie's sermon from yesterday talking about compassion. Mm-hmm and the, the condemnation from Romans about being unmerciful mm. and that not being merciful is such a critical thing. It's a problem that, and I thought about that and I thought, yeah, because like the, the mercy is the, 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 the gateway of provision in the gospel message, that it's his mercy that he extended to us. And because of that mercy of him taking on sin and dealing with the consequence of sin and wrath and judgment. And because he went ahead and dealt with that, and then therefore it became possible for us to receive him as we have always been made to, like that that he made it possible for us to fulfill our purpose.
1: Mm.
0: And it's one of those things that you go and like, well, then what do I do here? Like, do I just wait? And And in a sense, yes. Yeah, we do. We we wait for whatever it is that he's going to do next. But in the meantime, there's always something else to do. Yeah, and um, by faith. Yeah, by faith. Yeah. And that's I just wanted to read from from Galatians three, and it's one of my favorites because of the the kind of note of sarcasm that Paul has in here, where he says in Galatians three, "You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified?" This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by flesh? And it's this idea of how did we receive the Lord? Well, he prompted and he worked in my heart and he healed me and he saved me. Mm. All right. So you're an old believer now. And like, so now you got it and now you're going to do it and you're going to figure it out. You're going to cause your children to, to be raised well. You're going to cause them to understand. You're going to be the source of your own finances never drying up. All right. And, and it really is. It's the same way that in, in the Gospels where Jesus meets the Pharisees and, and all these different groups and all of these beliefs that they have, and he keeps raising the bar for all of them. Moses said to you, but I say to you, like, no, like the certificate of divorce doesn't cut it. Like that's that was permissible because of your disobedience, yeah, right. because you wouldn't listen. Yeah. But I say to you, and I think that's that's much of the same dialogue that he has with us in a personal way in our life, where we we can be deceived that we are our own security in some areas, but then he raises the bar and he's like, to just keep looking around. Then, mm. hey, um, go ahead and um, make inflation not be a threat to you, right? And and yeah. he. I, I love history. And that's a real curse right now because I think about like, oh yeah, all these neat things from like when I was a kid and just before about the cold war. And there was this thing about like, I guess like the Soviet Union was was like a real problem in, in like Europe and like they almost fought in Europe. And like, and now I'm looking around and I'm like, kids have no idea. They, they know what the Ukraine is now. Yeah. And I'm looking at that going, Lord, I don't know what you're doing there. I, I know that you're you're still involved and I know that you're providing and I know there's, there's going to be stories of miracles that we will hear and thank you. But like, how is this going to affect the rest of our lives now? Mm. Like, will this escalate or not? And I think back to, you know, like stuff that I've read from history about like, oh, these silly people about the Cuban Missile Crisis and they were so worried, but we never got nuked. Right. I know the ending. It's like, yeah, you know what? Moby Dick's not really that much of a surprise either. Like <laughs> Ahab and the whale never become friends. It, if, if, you've, if you're looking back on it, and I think that's the same thing with Scripture, we can look at these stories and we can say, why don't these foolish people trust in the Lord? They walked through the Red Sea, but yet they're complaining. I'm like, I've gone through stuff as well. And there's times when I, I, have, a, I have a vocabulary pet peeve about miracles versus providence. Mm. And people will say like, oh, you know, I, I I drove and I got there just on time and it was a miracle. I'm like, no, no, that's that's providence. A miracle is if, you know, a wasp turns into a hamburger or a, the concept of justice. Like if, if the physical laws of the universe are suspended. But I think providence is so much more amazing because it means that the Lord started working sometimes years or decades beforehand to accomplish something at just the right time. Mm. And that is... I mean, that is the the culmination of, of Jesus's birth is that you have the entire Old Testament and everything that has happened, it, it culminates at exactly the right time as he planned. And he didn't suspend his created order every single moment in order to bring about the birth of Jesus. But he was working constantly and, and that speaks of faithfulness so much more. And for me to appreciate that, there are, there are things that I can't plan for, but when I see him working, and, and, and sometimes, and I think this is, this is important for believers, that we can be so focused on miracles because we can read from the Old Testament how these crazy miracles happened, and we have to appreciate that when there's something that's not the mighty rushing wind, but it's just a quiet voice, that he, he plans and he cares in that. And and if if we share, this is something that I often struggle with is that the Lord will put something on my heart and it when I when I repeat it out loud, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal because I don't know how to share the full impact of of what it means to me. But to appreciate that like the Lord is is working in those things and he knows what we each need. Mm. That when the disciples are worried about like, well, how are we gonna pay for this tax? And Jesus says, put a hook in the water. Mm. It's like what? Like, this is not how you pay taxes. Yeah, because you're gonna catch a fish and he's gonna have coins in his mouth. It's like, no, that's completely not linear, mm. but he sends the exact fish to the exact line to meet the exact need. Mm. And like, at some point we're gonna be in heaven. We're gonna figure out, and I'm gonna ask, I was like, what's the story of those coins? Like, when <laughs> did that fish eat those coins? Was it that morning? Like, did, is the backstory that like those coins fell out of his pocket? And then the fish scooped them up, or is it like there's there's some lesson in history there that that I'm excited to learn. But to appreciate that sometimes the Lord uses very pedestrian and simple things as um and, and he promises that that, you know, like he will use the foolishness of the world to yeah. confound the, the the wisdom.
1: Well, and that's and that's the thing that that I think Paul's trying to get to here in Galatians too, yeah. with what you were reading, you know, in, in, in verse three of that chapter. Are you so foolish? Yeah. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Yeah. And it's he's talking to believers. Yeah. It is so easy for us to slide into that, you know, to to, to think that my my perfection, my my maturity, comes from me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for Jesus, and and I think that's you know that's kind of been the theme of what we've been talking about the whole time here is that I we've got to come to that realization that this life is not about me it's yeah. it's all about him it's what it, we were created for that purpose for his image to be seen so it's not about me it's all about him he simply allows us to live in who it's all about yeah you know for me to live is christ and i appreciate you know you're you know, your just being so consistent with that and uh, you know we're only there's so much more to tell so i'll tell you what why don't we uh, why don't we do a second episode? Yeah. And, and you know, because, you know, we need to let people know what second year was like, what college was like, what getting married was like, oh, okay. and, 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 mm-hmm. the, and the kids and all, and just what the Lord's done in, in your heart with all of that. Um, so I think we'll we'll do that. So the next episode, we'll bring you back, and we'll finish, uh, we'll, or we'll at least keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and and we'll just see what the Lord does with that. But thanks for being here. I really appreciate it, Lugie. It is a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast, featuring Lugi Regeer, a former student and staff member. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Lugi and that his words were uplifting to you. Our students are on spring break now and will be returning to us on Sunday. Please pray for the remainder of their time here at the Hill and that they would come back ready to close out this school year well. It's hard to believe we're in the final stretch of Bible school and that camp is just around the bend. Be sure to keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram to see updates from the close out of the school year and the startup of camp. You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host Kelly Doherty and Lugi Regeer. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. He is for you. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.